0: a free download from Delancey Elim Church meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elim Church building at Bank St. Samson in the Channel Islands of Guernsey contact us, find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanteelim.co.uk There's a lot of references that say that that um, when God says "fear not," He says "fear not" 365 times, and some references are made to the fact that um, the 365 is God saying there's one for every day. In fact, that's not true. That is not correct. That actually, that uh, connotation, if you like, that fact or misfact is a Wikipedia-type fact where people have added it, and it actually came from a film. That's where it came from. I'm not going to try and this morning to put an exact number on how many fears there are in the Bible. I'm going to just say to you that there are lots. But there are more than 500 in in total. Um, that reference to fear not, the 365, interestingly... Uh, made reference to 365 references to uh, fear not, but only 27 references to fearing God himself. Again, neither of which are actually true. Um, I think the important thing is to recognise that different Bibles also present words differently. So, in fact, there are variances of over a 100 in number in terms of how many times the word will be used in different uh, types of the Bible, different writings of the Bible. So, at the end of the day, it is much safer for me to say that it is used lots of times than trying to put a number on it, and that's what I'd like to do this morning. I think the important thing, though, is that we need to recognise in what context it is being used and why. And what I'm going to refer to this morning is all the different uses of the word fear. I'm not going to get to them all this morning because we'd still be here at two o'clock, but I am going to try and cover some of the important ones. But you you need to understand that when I talk about the word fear, I'm talking about all the variations of the word fear. So do not be afraid, for example, is still a a, um, a part of fear being afraid is part of fear as well as the words fear itself, okay? So when I'm talking about fear, I'm talking about all those different aspects of fear. So the first one I really want to start with this morning is I want to start with, let's look at the subject of fearing God. Let's look look at the subject of fearing God. It kind of, does anybody else share share the view that kind of it's, it's strange when you talk about fearing God because God is love. It's strange when you read about fearing God and it's difficult for us to maybe but get our head around. And I'm going to try and break this down for you to um, help you understand exactly what this was trying to say rather than it sort of being such, such a negative thing in that context. So let's get into some scripture and if you will follow me that would be fantastic. Let's have a look at Genesis 42.18 first of all. In house group, I always uh, say to people, right, you read that one, and it's great, but I don't think i better do that here, should I really? Otherwise, we might be all over the place. So, Genesis 42:18 says, Then Joseph said to them the third day, Do this and live, for I fear God. Okay? Joseph wins his brother's trust when he declares he's a God-fearing man. He's actually saying to his brothers that he fears God. Okay, And he wins their trust because by understanding that Joseph fears God, they trust him. They understand that he understands what God is saying and doing. It was because the midwives feared God that they obeyed him instead of the authorities by sparing the Hebrew babies. The next one I'd like to look at is Exodus one seventeen. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children. So you can see that, again, this, this, this was the important thing. I think I've got my verses slightly mixed up here, but that doesn't matter. We'll, we'll get to this point. So exodus 1.17 talks about but the midwives feared god and and did not do as the king of egypt so the midwives feared god so they saw god as a higher uh importance a higher authority if you like than than the uh kings exodus nine twenty nine to thirty one Moses said to him as soon as I have gone out of the city I'll spread my hands to the Lord the thunder will cease and there will be no more hail that you may know that the earth is the Lord's but as for you and your servants I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God now the flax and the barley were struck for the barley was in the head and the flax was in, in the bud Pharaoh didn't respect God Pharaoh didn't fear God. So he brought disaster on on his nation because he didn't have the respect for God. Exodus 18.21 Thank you for staying with me. As I know it's uh, quite a few verses to get through but it is worth it. Moreover you shall select from all the people able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. You see the thing was here that um, Moses had to choose leaders from people who feared God. Why did he have to do that? He chose people who feared God, because if they didn't fear God, they were going to be subject to bribes, they were going to be subject to uh, reactions of others, if you like, that were going to steer them away. Moses knew if he, if he chose people who were fearful of God, he was choosing people that would be righteous, people that would stay to the path. And then Exodus 20.20... 20, And Moses said to the people do not fear for God has come to test you that his fear may be before you so that you may not sin. And I'll come back to that one in in but this was a a a terrifying display if you like of God's power so that they wouldn't sin. And I'll make further reference to this in a minute. And then finally we've got one for Laurie. Got one for Laurie. Leviticus 19:14 only saying jokes, it's for, for Laurie, but it just struck me, announcing his 96th birthday, um, that this was for him. <laughs> um, 1914. Um, 1914 is what I said, eh? Yeah, sorry, 1914 and 32. So, 14 is, you shall not curse the deaf, nor put a stumbling block before the blind, but shall... Fear your God, I am the Lord. And then 32 says, You shall rise before the grey-headed and honour the presence of an old man. And fear your God, I am the Lord. (laughs) So there you go. He's got two mentions this morning. (laughs) Honestly, Laurie, I do respect you. (laughs) Just finally, 2 Corinthians 7.1. Right at the other end. 2 Corinthians seven one, which says therefore having these promises beloved let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit perfecting holiness in the fear of God so all these verses that I've shared with you are the fear of God and they're really just a small flavour. I could go on and on. There are obviously lots and lots of verses talking about the fear of God. Let's try now just to put them into context. Let's see what this is really saying to us because, you know, it, it doesn't ring true when you talk about God wanting us to fear him, does it? It's difficult to understand. So taking the context of the word, I would assume that most of you would immediately think of uh, something quite negative like a person, for example, that we had to be fearful of. And we probably think towards something like, say, a bully or somebody that in some way has power over us in, in the context of in our, in our worldly lives. You know, maybe a boss at work that you don't get on with or something like that. I think that's the sort of uh, thing that we uh, draw a comparison with. But that is completely far from the truth of what this word is trying to say, this fear of God. And the real understanding of this word only comes when we start to look at, strangely enough, the Greek and the Hebrew meanings of the word. The Hebrew, um, obviously, both Greek and Hebrew, much like English, there are lots of words which have lots of different meanings, if you like, like where and where and all these sorts of Things. So you've got to sort of look quite deep to get to the real meaning of what was trying trying to be said, but the Hebrew verb yare y a r e can mean to fear, to respect, to reverence, and the Hebrew noun yira y r i y i r a h usually refers to the fear of God, and is viewed as a positive quality. Okay. This fear acknowledges God's good intentions and what we took in, in Exodus 20:20, 20, 20, when we were talking there about this terrifying display of power but God wasn't trying to uh, knock people down. He was trying to actually say, you know, I am the God of power, come and be with me. You see the difference? The, the, the fear was a positive thing, not a negative thing. That the fear is produced by God's word and makes a person receptive to wisdom and knowledge. When you accept that God's word is correct, then you accept His authority. You are uh, not fearful in the in the sense of being frightened of Him, but you're fearful because you accept that His knowledge is correct and yours is not. So you're mindful, you're respectful, if you like, of Him. The Greek noun, phobos, can mean reverential fear. So again, taking uh, God's word uh, in a reverence way. Not a mere fear of his power and righteous retribution, but a wholesale dread of displeasing him. So really realising how seriously we need to take God. You know, sometimes we can be guilty, can't we, of taking God's word lightly and then going straight back to our own, whereas this is saying, take God's word and take it seriously. And what's really, really interesting to me as I've studied this is the type of positive, productive fear that Luke describes early on in the New Testament church. It says in Acts 9.31, and you don't need to go there, I'll read it to you. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee and Sumeria had peace and were edified, and walking in the fear of the Lord, in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. So they respected God. They understood what it meant to fear him and respect him, and the churches were multiplying, because they were showing him that respect, because they were following his plan. So you can see how that word fear has changed in its context because of understanding what it was really saying. So the word fear is not being used as a threat or really as an order. It is being used as an encouragement to uh, accept God's word. A call to respect him and not to intentionally displease him. One would suggest that, that when we continually sin, despite knowing the, uh, the Word of God, you know, whilst understanding what it means to sin, we are, of course, or should, of course, be in fear of what that really means. If we're intentionally doing that all the time. But I don't know about you, but I then, in studying this, so, but that's, that in itself is difficult to understand because you know we are going to sin, aren't we? We are in a predisposition to sin. So how do we how do we kind of avoid it? We respect God. We give give God respect. We we put Him right up there as our Lord and Saviour. But how do we resist this sin because we will all sin? And it's difficult to understand, and it gets complicated. But we would have that uh, reason, if you like, to fear. But we know that God's the forgiving God, don't we? We know that. And in Psalm one thirty three four, that again you can turn to if you wish, but I'll read it. If you, Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? O Lord, who could stand? But there is forgiveness with you, Lord that you may be feared. And we see that word again, that word fear, used again in a slightly different context, but really important. And here it is where we have uh, the problem, isn't it? And what can be called a dichotomy, if you like that word. The use of the word fear can come even more complicated to understand when we read 1 John 4.18, Perfect love expels all fear. So there we have a difficulty, don't we? Because how can we be fearful of God and yet he's expelling fear? How does that work? It becomes complicated. It's clear to me in the previous passage that having a healthy respect for God expressed as fear in this context is a good thing and not to be taken lightly having a healthy respect for God and setting him on high, is being respectful and in this context called fearful. Now when we learn, it is said that we learn best from examples. When we do things physically, we learn them quicker. So, we are creatures of habit, and as we learn to regularise things, in other words, we do them regularly so we get, get used to them. And it's our quickest way to learn. And what you may have or may not have realised is that Jesus provided the absolute example of fear and perfect love together. He would regularly warn us to fear God and not mortal man. And he certainly wouldn't refrain, would he, from putting right those who would, um, if you like, not be told. You know, you think of the the episodes where Jesus was just a straight-talking person, wasn't he? You know, turning over the money tables and all, all those sorts of things. But he did this through love. He did this because he wanted them to turn back. He didn't do this to, uh, you know, oppress them. He did this to draw them back. And, it, and ultimately, Jesus, of course, lived out his very words. There's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. John 15:13. So Jesus was preaching about the fear of God, telling people about the fear of God, but prepared to lay down his life to make sure that people were saved. People were brought back onto the path. So Jesus Jesus is perfect love, cast out all fear, and with love like that there is only one thing left to fear and that's God. Is that making sense? It's, it's kind of complicated to get your head around, isn't it? This, this, differences of the word fear, but believe me, this is, this is absolutely right. Turning our attention then to the other context of the word fear in the Bible, we're going to look at the fear not, which is used far more than what I've just referred to, uh, in, in the, in the fear. And I suppose that's not really that surprising, is it? We'd like to think that God was trying to send us a a positive message about our future, and he is. So the Bible is more about your future and, uh, you know, allowing God to have the control than anything else. Again, let's look at some verses, and I've done them in, in Bible order to try and make it as simple as possible. So we're going back to Genesis 15.1, if we may. says, after these things the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, do not be afraid Abraham, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Genesis 26.24. And the Lord appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you and multiply your descendants for my servants Abraham's sake. Exodus 20.20 that we read before can be used in both contexts. And Moses said unto the people, Fear not, for God is, is come to prove you, and that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. Deuteronomy 31.8 And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. And then finally, um, New Testament, Matthew 10.28 And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So in this verse and many more one could choose, we can see that is God offering, God is offering the word fear as a positive and telling us not to be fearful. I think that's easier said than done, isn't it? We all, we all must admit, surely, that a lot of things in life make us fearful. In particular, I would draw your attention to the details of the last example I gave you, and I think it actually says far more than we might at first realise. Fear not them which kill the body. So this is a direct reference to the things that both people and situations which people may create. So they are people made situations. So when things do come against you, we need not be afraid. Then add to that the previous example where we are told God will not fail us, God will not forsake us and to fear not neither be, not, not fear or neither be dismayed. Or again, to simplify that point, don't be surprised when things work out because God's in control. Don't be surprised when it works out because ultimately God has your back. He promises you here. We need to give God the glory. He promises you here and he promises not to fail you. There and there in the word. I think we struggle, and we all struggle with fear, don't we? You know, I'm sure there is not one person in this room that doesn't struggle with fear over something. It might be a fear of flying, travelling, it might be a fear of what's going to happen, or whatever. A very interesting fact from psychology is that 85% of things that people fear that have led them to either mental illness or some form of disposition, if you like, something that has materially affected their lives, never happens. 85% of what people believe will change their life one way or another, never happens. So one would have to accept that we all struggle with fear, that we all are bound up by fear. And I think the devil is right there in that fear. Because the devil wants to bind you up. The devil wants to stop you having that fear for God, having that respect for God. He wants to bind you up, take up the space in your, in your mind and bind you up with fear. And we can so easily uh, direct our fear at the wrong things, the worldly things. And yet God says in his word, there and there that we've shared, that he has victory over those things. He's told you. God, ultimate on high, has told you he has victory over those things on your behalf. We need not fear the things of men. The only fear we need is the reverent fear of God. That's the only fear that we need. So amazingly today we can see fear as a positive thing. I'm sure when I started you thought how are we ever going to get a positive out the word fear. But I believe the Bible is actually using the word fear in a very positive way. And in fact when we read it because we're predispositioned to think of fear as something that binds us we maybe don't read the Bible with that open mind to what it's really saying. So I hope this morning is is helping you to understand because that fear can be so crippling. That fear can be so binding you up and stopping you from doing what God wants to do with you because that fear is changing the way you're looking at the words that he's bringing to you. I'd very much like to offer as I head towards closure uh, a final example of the word fear used in the Bible, and it's from Psalm 56. And it was David who's been seized by the Palestines. Philistines. Palestine? Dear he Got fear of getting my words wrong. <laughs> and he starts to become afraid. I mean, who wouldn't be afraid? He's been captured by your enemies people who you consider as your enemies. You've been locked up. You're not being told what's happening to you. You're being locked up. Who wouldn't be afraid? I'd be afraid. I know I would be. But instead, he says, he sets his vision on the Lord and the Saviour in the midst of all that. In the midst of all that, nobody's talking to him. He's probably in this Horrible cell. You imagine the times. This wouldn't have been a nicely built cell with central heating and air conditioning and all that. This would have been probably the most horrendous place he'd ever found himself in his life. It was probably wet. It was probably damp. It was probably cold. He probably wasn't clothed particularly well at the time. It's a horrible place to be. And yet, there and then, he says, fear not. He says to himself, he praises God. And his word to him, fear not. He decides to put his trust in the Lord there and then. He says, when I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God whose words I praise. In God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me? Ask some strength there, isn't it? That's some strength there of a man really trusting in God. But it goes further than just a man trusting in God. That relationship between him and God has to be really, really strong, doesn't it? For him to really mean that. That's a relationship I want to share. That's a relationship I want to trust in God. That's a relationship I want all of you to trust in God. Wow, that to me is amazing. I'm going to ask in a minute for us to share these words collectively. And let's agree, let's agree now as a church to wholeheartedly put our trust in God. Let's fear him together. Let's fear him in this reverent way together. And trust in his victory. Because he's told you he's got victory. Let's do it together together. He has our backs. He holds our futures in his hands. This is not just something, you know, lightweight that we can read and, and ignore. This is a promise from God. He has your back. He has your future. He holds you in his hand. This is serious stuff. In, in David's case, his life was on the line. We might not feel our life is on the line today, but your future is God has your future. The things you are experiencing in your life, God is there with you. You need not be fearful. Your future is held in God's hands. And he promises to protect you. He promises not to forsake you. And he tells you not to be dismayed when the outcome comes. It might not be the outcome you're expecting. But God's outcome is still God's outcome. God's outcome is God's outcome. We might want what we might want. But you let God rule over your life. The correct outcome will be the outcome. The outcome that God saw throughout your time on this world. Because he knows you. He loves you. I just want to ask you today to acknowledge and rely wholeheartedly on God's strength. I just want to ask you to never live in fear. Never allow fear to bind you up. Never allow fear to stop you from seeing God as your saviour. And his word being true. Because so often we, we read a word that God has said and we, and we then qualify that against our worldly experience and we start to dilute it down because we don't, you know, we start to say, well, yeah, that could be true, but it might not be because my experience this week has not been quite that. But that's, you know, the Bible, God is saying, he promises you. The outcome is God's outcome. It's not to be taken lightly. And I think this word fear, now we've explored it more, hopefully is making more sense to you. Hopefully is understanding how God is trying to talk to you through this word fear. So. As as I've asked Karen if she can go up and uh, just just play a little bit of background music. As I close, I'd like to just make David's prayer our own. And if you feel this is right for you, I'm not putting any pressure on, on anybody at all. Don't feel any pressure. But I'd like to just offer that prayer as a prayer over all of us. And if you'd stand with me and just share this prayer. If you can't stand, don't worry. There's no pressure at all. But I'd just like to share this prayer with you and over you. If you want to stand, do so now. Lord, when I'm afraid, I will trust you. In God, whose words I praise. In God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do when I stand with God? I just want to pray that prayer over you now. I just want to pray that any binding of your spirit, of your soul from fear be broken right now. I as we prepared for today's meeting, already nobody knew what I was talking about but people came to me and talked not about their fear exactly but about fear. And I know that there are people here right now who are thinking that fear is binding them. It might be fear of illness, it might be fear of a situation, it might be fear of a person, I don't know. But I know that there are people here bound by fear. I know This is the case. I just want to again just offer that prayer to you. Let's say it together. Let's say this prayer together. Lord, when I'm afraid, I will trust you. In God whose word I praise. In God I will trust I will, I will not be afraid. What can mortal man do to me when I stand with God? <laughs> Just going to ask the musicians to come back and play a song. Um, and... <laughs> I know we're short in number today and I know that there's only a couple of us leaders here but I do feel that God is really saying if you feel bound up by fear now is your time. We 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 can pray for you. We can pray over you. I really feel today is a time for you to say you will not allow fear to cripple you. You will not allow fear to bind you up. Nothing in this world needs to cripple you from fear, because God has your back, God has your victory, God has your future in his hands. If you feel that you need prayer, do, do do just come out the front, or if you can't make it to the front, just raise your hand and we'll come and pray for you, but I don't want anybody to go from here thinking that they need to be fearful. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Edom Church. For more downloads or to contact us, please visit our website at denancyelim.co.uk.